0: Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. This time around, we've got a special sneak peek into another excellent cocktail-related podcast that you should definitely be listening to. We are not the only fish in the sea. Last week, in episode 82, we spoke with Pedro Shanahan, host of the Spirit Guide Society podcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out that interview, I definitely recommend you go back and give it a listen, but... It's not a prerequisite, just a damn good conversation that you should not miss. So go and check it out. This episode, we're cross-pollinating the airwaves with one of my personal favorite episodes of the Spirit Guide Society podcast so that you can soak in a ton of information about Highland Scotch from Tomaten brand ambassador Scott Fraser. But first... You know what? This wouldn't be the modern bar cart podcast if I didn't give you a chance to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Rob Roy, which is very simply a Scotch Manhattan. To make a Rob Roy cocktail, you'll need two ounces of blended Scotch whiskey, one ounce of sweet vermouth, and several dashes of orange bitters as always we like to use our embitterment orange bitters whenever possible just like a normal manhattan you combine all the ingredients in a mixing glass with ice stir for 15 to 20 seconds until everything is perfectly chilled and diluted and then strain into a stemmed cocktail glass and garnish with an orange twist or a brandied cherry depending on where your sweetness preferences fall now notice that i mentioned blended scotch in the ingredients list this is a particular classification of scotch that tends to be affordable and great for mixing it's pretty much agreed that the best in class blended scotches on the market at least here in the us are monkey shoulder and the dimple pinch and those bottles usually fall between 40 and 50 dollars Most other bottles of blended scotch fall well below that price point, which is why it's a popular mixing ingredient for cocktails. I wanted to bring the whole blended scotch distinction to your attention because in the following interview, the focus is going to be single malt scotch. And not just single malt, but Highland single malt. So you can see that we're starting to layer a lot of distinctions on here. Now we're gonna find some time, of course, to sit down with a few Scotch experts and really give you a full understanding of both the mash bill and geographic classifications that apply to Scotch whiskey. But for the purposes of this episode, you really only need to know a couple things. First, single malt Scotches are generally thought to be a bit more premium than blended Scotches because of the way the malt is sourced. And second, whiskeys from different parts of Scotland for example, the Highlands, tend to display different flavor profiles based on the production and aging practices of that region. In addition to the unique terroir that the land, the people, and the atmosphere lends to the process. Now, depending on who you talk to, it's an aberration to use a nice single malt scotch and a Rob Roy. You should sip that with a few drops of water, they say. But personally, I think if you've got a nice bottle of scotch, and a nice bottle of vermouth and a nice fresh garnish and some good bitters, you're kind of almost obligated to see how they work together. Getting back to our crossover episode with the Spirit Guide Society podcast, the bottles that Tomaten brand rep Scott Fraser will taste us through are as follows. Tomaten dualcus, Tomaten 12-year. Tomaten 14-year. Tomaten 15 Muscatel, Tomaten 18 Kubokan, and Tomaten 36. The numbers in those bottle names refer to how long they were aged for and in some cases the types of casks that they were finished in. Everything else you'll learn along the way. So Put yourself a nice dram of something brown and peaty. Imagine the sound of a wee bagpipe drifting majestically across a whimswept luck. And, of course, enjoy this spirited scotch tasting brought to you courtesy of the Spirit Guide Society podcast and Tomaten brand rep, Scott Fraser.
1: But please give a nice welcome to Mr. Scott Fraser from Tomatin. Tomatin! Tomatin! Tomatin. Come on, Tomatin. Okay, so we'll, okay, Tomatin. Just, like, let's welcome him and then we'll work this out.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you all for coming. Um, hopefully we'll have a little bit of fun with our single malt whiskey tonight. Um, The most important thing is to relax and enjoy yourselves, but from the looks of things, I think we already have that sort of environment. (laughs) Um, So uh, just a quick sort of introduction. How many of you have actually tasted tomato and single malt whiskey before? Four, five, six Six people. Six people. So the, the rest of you, you're... All in for the best night of your lives. (laughs) (laughs) The best whiskey night of your lives. Maybe not the best night of your lives. These are like the best kind of whiskey (laughs)
1: societies for me. It's like when we're all discovering something new. Because, you know, I, I drink a ton of whiskey, but like I don't really know that much about... I
2: can't even say the name. I don't just say, no, no, the, the, the wonderful thing about
0: language. When
1: I say sounds more
2: like Lord of the Rings, it's nicer. Tomatin. It's <laughs> like putting a <laughs> well, spear in the Pedro, ground. You, t- you tell everyone exactly how you want to tell it.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to get upset. No, no. You're, the, you're supposed to tell me. I'm learning. I'm so, trying to learn. I'm no, just a slow. It's learner.
2: like. It's Tomat. Oh, no, no, I'm saying... Oh! That. oh no, no, no. <laughs> what? What but you try and it down, But it's just, it runs naturally for us. Because okay, of okay, it's all, I'll, I'll work on it. But there are people in Scotland that will call it Tomatin because of the way that they speak the English language. So it's not... We don't get upset about how people say it, you know. It's, <laughs> it's all come down from a slightly bastardized version of Gaelic, you know. So it all comes down into one sort of language. What does it mean? So, funnily enough, the name Tomatin means hill, so Tom means hill, and Atten means juniper. So you'd actually think that we'd be making gin. (laughs) (laughs) But funnily enough, there's actually a link with juniper to distilling, and especially the art of ancient distillation. So in Scotland, for hundreds upon hundreds of years, whiskey was made illegally, as I'm sure you've all been told before, in the hills and the glens. but. As distilling sort of took a hold, they they had to become more and more secretive. And what they used to have to do is try and hide the smoke underneath from the excise man. Now, when you burn juniper bushes, now juniper was a bush that was found quite common (laughs) across the whole of Scotland. When you burn this bush, when it's dried out, it gives off no smoke. What? So all the illicit distillers used to burn all this juniper underneath the stills. So if you ever come to Tomatin, what you'll find is that on the hill of the juniper, there's no juniper. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they used it all up. <laughs> we used it all up. And very efficiently as well, may I add. So, that's a cool story. Yeah, so that's, so there is actually a link between juniper and single malt distillation as well. But obviously the whiskey that was being made in these illicit stills back then isn't quite what we're making now. Right, right. Um, but you guys... Been around for a while. So when did the company start? How did like? So we the we were obviously illegal whiskey was made in the area for a long time. There's a house on the on the site where they used to in the times of the Jacobites and the last Scottish Civil War they were sort of trading whiskey at this at this illicit outpost. But the distillery was built in 1897. 1897 was the decade in Scotland when the most amount of whiskey was built up until this decade. So it's called the Victorian boom. Um, So many distilleries were actually built in the 1890s. And the the reason why, who we have to thank for that is the French and the Spanish, because a disease started attacking their grapes, which put the price of wine and brandy sky high. And in doing that, what happened is that um, Scottish businessmen saw uh, an opportunity to make a quick pound or two, which Scottish people are quite... um, they quite enjoy doing from time to time. So um, they've got a little bit of a, a reputation has been slightly penny pinching, especially from our part of the world. But um, so they, they built lots of distilleries and Tomatyn was one of these. Tomatyn was a perfect location for building a distillery because we were quite close, close to some good agricultural ground for growing barley right, right, We have an excellent water source. You guys are like south of Inverness? 10 miles south of Inverness.
1: So. And that's like the northeast
2: northeast of Scotland
1: where it, it's the yeah, narrowest. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're saying.
2: So it's the narrowest part of Scotland. So it's, it's only 40 miles from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's the really, skinniest really part narrowest. of Scotland. Yeah, which is why they've got me here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he had in and out for the first time
2: today. Yeah. 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 A, a California staple, you know. It was a good time, so no, I totally enjoyed it. <laughs> so tell us, uh, you guys, but there was a whole, like, boom thing. Like, so you were born oh. in the boom. We were born in the boom. And we were born from a group of local Inverness businessmen. Unfortunately, they weren't the best businessmen in the world. And after the sort of Paterson crash and everything, we went out of business in 1906. The distillery really started to transform in 1908 when we were bought over by a couple of English wine merchants. They started up a company called Tomatin Distillers. And obviously during World War One and World War II, not much whiskey was produced. But between um, the end of World War One, and the 1970s, tomatin went under a rapid period of expansion. We, yes, yeah, so we went from having two copper pot stills and producing about hundred thousand litres of spirit to, in the middle of the 1970s, we were producing, we had 23 copper pot stills and we're producing 12 and a half million litres of spirit. To put that into context, in the seventies, we were as big as Glen Fiddick and Glenlivet almost are today. But what we've done is we've managed to sort of change our philosophy. So in the 80s, when the market crashed, we, we went back to becoming a lot smaller operation. So we went from having 23 stills to having 12 stills, of which we only use 10. So we make 2 million liters of spirit now. What we focus on is quality and consistency, and also focusing on the different casks that we use for maturation. So in the
1: past, these guys were making whiskey for blends, almost entirely, and so... In that way, you maybe, I mean, you were so big that maybe you don't have to care about the character of the whiskey as much as just producing alcohol. Yeah, if so you're blending house,
2: you exactly. know? Exactly, like. so I mean, I, I, not exactly. I mean, so the quality of some of the whiskey that was made in the 1970s is fantastic. If any of you come to the distillery and come and visit us and come and see me on a very good day, then I can take you and show you some whiskey from the 70s that is absolutely breathtaking. Wow. So there's nothing wrong with what the people were doing back now. It was all
1: pot still whiskey. We. we I just get jaded sometimes because we have so many, I just yeah. tap my mic, it's super awesome for sound. Um, the column steel distillates though, they can be so astringent that they don't have any character at all. And like a lot of the whiskeys out there is kind of blends of these like exactly astringent quality into something that gives the flavor to the, that isopropyl
2: base. But it's way more interesting to like experience things that come out of these pot stills. I mean, that's. I mean, there's there's good and bad qualities in in, in all whiskies, I and mean, bad's probably the wrong word to use if I'm a good salesman, but obviously I'm not. And um, but what we need, what we have to have, is these, this sort of consistency in the product that we are putting out, because now, now over fifty percent of what we produce goes into the glass as tomato and single malt whisky, so it's an incredibly important part of our of our DNA and of our makeup, and that. Isn't, it's not just us that is responsible for, we have a community at the distillery. So even to this day, we still have 80% of our workforce still live and work wow. at the distillery. Which is, if you go to Scotland,
1: you'll see a lot of towns are like that. Like uh, a lot of towns were built around distilleries. Like uh, the church likes to make their claims, but let me tell you, <laughs> everybody drinks. Yeah,
2: put this to Oh yeah, have you got a question? Yeah. I was- So there was a global recession, okay. uh, there was a global recession and, and I mean it depends which spin that you listen to on things. There was overproduction in Scotland in the 1980s and um, there was perhaps too much whisky that was being made with no market for it whereas then after that I think people have been a lot more reserved and so that's what that's done is it's able to create a lot of these new distilleries that are opening which is fantastic for everybody because it gives everybody more variety and more choice. Um, but the the market cracked. there was a global recession in the middle of the nineteen eighties and, and so many of the famous distilleries closed down. Luckily, our distillery managed to sort of hold on, retain a lot of the workforce, and so we have a lot of these characters that were still still working at the distillery now that experienced that crash, which is quite nice. Who were you selling your whiskey to for it? what what blends are you kind of famous for? In so scholarly? so so in terms of the blends that so it wasn't just our blends that we were going into, which we have some of our own. So we have Big T, which was famous. In the local area, which meant big tomato. You know, even to this day, there's still some of the d- boys that work at the distillery that will drink big tea I over want to a go single buy some malt. Big tea, that sounds right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put it this way, you wouldn't have been up to quarter past two last night drinking it, petrol. <laughs> As we do. As we do. Um, it was Nesco collective, we just kept going. <laughs> no, that's it, that's what it's all about. But uh, our, one of our other blends is Antiquary, which is a more deluxe blend. Um, but I'm not looking at anyone in particular in the room when I say this, but if you were drinking any of the famous uh, Diageo or Pernod Ricard blends, like, as the companies were back then, like Johnny Walker, uh, Chivas Regal, you probably had a, a little bit of Tomatin. Tomatin, yeah. as you taste, the base malt behind it was an, is an excellent uh, malt, uh, spirit for blending. So it's a Highland style, from
1: the northeastern part of Scotland, but you
2: really, I mean, it's sweeter than most highlands. It's, it's more fruity I mean, than most highlands. So it's got more of that, that character that's sort of, I mean, that's why we give ourselves the tagline as being the softer side of the highlands. So we're right on the borderline between being a highland and a space site. Um, when you come to the distillery, when you look south, you see the Cairngorm Mountains, and on the other side of the mountains is the River Spey. Our water source uh, flows into the River Finthorn, which goes out. It goes out ten miles west. Ten, yeah, ten miles west of Elgin, uh, in a town called Forest, and the River Spey goes out ten miles east, in the River Fowkeburn. So the, the the starting points at an incredibly similar point in the yeah. in Scotland, but um, we we are quite a unique little distillery in our own little way that we don't have. We try not to stick to too many rules and regulations, but which
1: is fun. You can do that up there, right? Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can get away
2: with that. <laughs> so the first expression
1: that we're having tonight is dualcus. Say that again. Dualcus. 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 Can you say that? Dualkas.
2: Dualkis. The whole thing, though, you have to say well, the, the fr- oh, no. Duamant She's good. Yeah. <laughs> Can you come up and say it for me? Because sometimes I struggle. <laughs> so um, this is a this in 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 Gaelic, the Scottish language. Dualcus means cultural heritage. So cultural heritage is all about the the imprint and the legacy that the distillery has left on the community. You alluded earlier on to towns springing up around a distillery. So, Tomatin is the prime example of this happening. We when the distillery was built in the in the 1890s, it was built in an old shooting and fishing estate called Tomatin. There was no there was no village around there. Now if you come there there's a village of about 1500-2000 people. Wow. So, very much a community distillery. And this this whisky, the recipe for this whiskey was actually selected by everybody that works at the distillery. So It was the year before I started, actually. When I came up for my interview at Tomatin, I came up and did a wee tour around the distillery. And this was the new release at the time. So this is when I found out about this. So um, what our distillery manager at the time, he started about seven years ago. He's a chap called Graham Yunsen. He selected several different recipes. And instead of uh, one or two of them just selecting one of two of members of our staff selecting what whisky came out, we thought let's put this to the popular vote. So every single member of staff got to vote on which whisky recipe they wanted to come to the to become Tomatin to Alcus. And this is the result of it here. Um, this is a no age statement whisky. Um, the youngest whisky going in here will be four years old, which is in virgin American oak casks. And then the oldest whiskies going in here will be eight years old, which are, are those first charred barrels. The, uh, yeah, the they're charred. Yeah, it's about a medium char. It's not. A, it's not a very strong char, but it's not a light char. But it too. hasn't been used to age bourbon in. Never been used to age bourbon. Funnily enough, we buy the casks from. We buy the oak from the United States. So this is send the oak to Spain, to the Cooper- to cooperage. <laughs> And then from Spain, it comes up to Scotland with wow. the cask. So there's a little bit it's of a journey. It's sherry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so un, un, it's completely unaged um, beforehand. But what the Virgin American oak gives you so much color and flavor coming out of the cask incredibly, incredibly quickly. How long does it spend in there? So the, the, the Virgin oak is probably going to be about four years old. Okay. Um, and then the fir- we also use First fill X bourbon casks, which will probably be somewhere between six and eight years old. Okay. Um, what this does is it gives a lot of colour and a lot of flavour into, into a younger whisky. Uh, the, the, the backbone running through here is our spirit, our distillery character, which hopefully I'll get, we'll get into in a second and how we achieve that. Um, so that if you take one thing away from my tasting tonight, is that um, tomatons uh, think spirit, the backbone, is soft, fruity and malty, and so that backbone is there in the whisky. Um, and then we use various different casts to give it a different flavour. So have a little nose, have a little taste. Um, in Scotland, people often tell you how whisky should not shouldn't be drunk. The most important thing is to do is to enjoy yourself when That's you're right. drinking it. That's right. <laughs> There's many ways you can look at it. I mean, you can hold the whisky up to the light, see what's happening. That just shows you how clean your glasses. <laughs> 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 good to check. It's good to check. No, is whis- about enjoyment. So, however you guys would like to enjoy the whiskey, uh, please enjoy it. There's some water on the table. Yeah. Water opens up aromas. Um, wow, it's got a nice grip.
1: Beautiful. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm getting like it's nutty and grassy. Yeah. But what are you guys getting? I mean, as you stick your nose in that glass, breathe in, chilling through your mouth, what are you reminded of? Spicy. Spicy, what kind of spice, cinnamon or chili? Cinnamon. spiced wine. wine, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. So how big are the stills? You guys have 12 stills running right now. How big are those Twelve, pots?
2: 12 stills, actually 10 of only. there's 12 stills there, but 10 of them run. Okay. Um, oh. they're, 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 they're very big, they're very big pot stills. Um, the exact measurement from top to bottom, I couldn't tell you. Um, but the, got, the most important thing is we're able to create lots of reflux in the ch- in the stills. So is it a long line lo- arm? Lo- or- long, long line arm, but importantly, we've got a reflux chamber at the top. So this reflux chamber scrambles the vapors and slows it down which allows us to create this really soft character of spirit. And
1: because you guys were born in the boom of whiskey, you built big stills. Like Before that, like people didn't know how things were going to go. <laughs> but by that time, people were like, oh, this business is on. Awesome. Let's build big stills and really go for
2: it. Exactly. But uh, another peculiar thing is that Tomatin's wash stills are exactly the same size as our spirit stills. Um, there, there's a lot of little sort of unique touches throughout the whole distillery, which is really, really
0: nice. It's super
1: cool. This is really nice. What's the bottle price if I was going to get a bottle for the home bar?
0: Uh, so anywhere from you know twenty four ninety nine on sale to $29.99. That's wow.
1: cheap. No age statement. So there is. This is younger Scotch. Maybe folks aren't, you know, conscious of. There's a, a lot of non-age statement spirits out there, obviously, but. Sometimes you don't know how old the scotch is you're drinking and four years is like, this is damn good for four year old scotch. I would think that like, that would taste young. This does not taste young to me.
2: No, I, I think honestly, you see if you ever come up to the distillery and you taste our spirit, our new mixed spirit, which we can't call whiskey. It's, it's actually a really quite nice drink in itself. There's so much character in there already. It's very, um, it's what the bad, the people that used to not behave when they worked in distilleries used to drink. Right. So the, the, thing with, the thing with Dualkis is that it's an incredibly diverse single malt whiskey. It does mix well. That Those Virgin American oak casks work in Prohibition cocktails, sours, anything. So Stephanie and I just passed around the second mark. What is this? So the second whiskey that we're passing around is Tomatin 12-year-old. Tomatin 12-year-old is um, the whiskey that we sell the most of around the world. I would argue that it's perhaps our most traditional style single malt whiskey. Traditional? In what
1: sense? Highlands, Speyside? Like what? What is it? What so you, in, in terms of in
2: terms of traditional, it's, it's incredibly well balanced. This um, we we recently changed our packaging to look like it does here um, to make it more sort of softer, gentle to reflect the to reflect the wh- the source of the whiskey, to reflect mm-hmm. the Highlands. Um, but in terms of a traditional whiskey, we're trying to get that balance between vanilla and. Dried fruit, so bourbon and sherry casks. So the two most common casks that are used in in a, in a, a distillery's standard mark would be bourbon and sherry casks, and we're trying to get that as traditional as we possibly can. Ooh, wow! Stick your nose in that glass,
1: guys. What are you getting? So this is probably twice as old as the whisky we just had.
2: Yeah, twi- yeah. Uh, technically, for, for it's for three, most, three times as, three times as old, really. Oh wow! Because if we had to put an age on the Dualcus it would be four. But um, on Tamaten, 12 year old, everything is 12 years matured. That's amazing. So do you guys
1: like, what kind of seasons do you have in that region of Scotland? Do you guys have really cold winters, really hot summers? Or is it, what, what kind of like angel shares? What I'm getting at, how much
2: evaporation happens from those brails so, so year year? It's so low, between one and, one and two percent, probably closer to one percent. Wow. Uh, Tamaten itself is high up in the mountains. We're about a thousand feet above sea level. Um, the the, the temperature is controlled by the warehouse. So because we've got big, thick walls and earthen floors, it allows us to mature for an awful lot longer period of time. Scotland itself has got quite a humid climate, so the humidity is really important. So the humidity stops the water from evaporating as quickly. So that means our alcohol content goes down, whereas in Kentucky and the Caribbean it goes up. Always goes up, yeah. So yeah, it's really... um, It allows us to create... Um, we can get into whiskey that's sort of 50 years old as well, which is oh, another part of that's what we
1: That's crazy. Doing. That's crazy. So so what are you guys getting? As you stick your nose in that glass, tap some over your tongue and share your experience. There's no wrong answers. No wrong answers. Chocolate and orange. Chocolate and orange. That sounds like you know, good whiskey it to me.
2: It's still like it's in the like, fermentation process. You know that... that- Banana y Yeah, uh, absolutely. Fresh. Ooh,
1: I'm getting it's a little fresh. maple. I'm getting like kind of a maple and citrus. What it's are you guys a getting?
0: Fruit for
2: sure. Yeah. Gorgeous. yeah. yeah. Citrus? citrus. orangey peel type, orange rind. some kind like that. I like the sound of that. Right on. So, twelve year, equal parts bourbon, sherry, and refill. Oh wow. So. It's a thirds and first and second fill bourbon, a third and first and second fill sherry, and a third and refill casks.
1: That's really cool, man. And what would this be like in, in the liquor store?
0: So uh, twenty six ninety nine to thirty two ninety nine. What?
1: 12-year-old whiskey for under 30 bucks?
0: Well, you got some crazy guys here that work on pretty low margins around here, so... <laughs> wow. Put
2: it this way, you could almost find a bottle of tomato in this country a little bit cheaper than that. We can buy it at home. <laughs> wow, that's
1: that's mind-blowing. But if you don't have it
2: in your local liquor store, just ask. Uh, a lot of times,
1: those mom-and-pop liquor stores, they, they'll they get whatever you ask them to get. They've got nothing to lose. If they don't sell to you, they'll, they'll sell it to somebody else. It's just a bottle. So, you know, they buy the case, like... Yeah, go check it out, this is great. This is totally it's great. Phenomenal. I love finding
2: like new little treasures, this 12 year is awesome. Yeah. The 12 year is beautiful, and to get the balance. So, I mean, we, we did change the recipe recently, so we went from finishing in sherry casks to a full maturation in sherry casks for a third. Mm. Just creates those beautiful, link between bourbon and dried fruits. What do you guys think about the mouthfeel? So like, we talk a lot about smells and flavors, but like, what is
1: the structure in your mouth? You know, like, how does this feel? Is it, it light on the front, heavy, and back? Like, think about the architecture of the whiskey, not just the flavors that come to mind. How does it feel once it's passed across your tongue? Change, or what's your experience? It's like very buttery. Buttery, hell yeah. <laughs>
2: buttery, creamy, that sort of... It's All-dairy da- all goodness.
1: <laughs> really, really cool. Really cool. So, what's this next mark that Stephanie's coming
2: around? 14. To math and 14. 14. So, in, in terms of our portfolio, the reason why we have diversity within it is to try and highlight different yeah. cast maturation and how we can play about with things. Um, it's not... Tomatin doesn't have to have one set way. We don't have one set direction. We've got uh, a portfolio in here. Within these five whiskies that we're tasting, there's uh, virgin oak, sherry balanced, port casks, moscatel. So you're
1: really like hitting all also, the marks. Like it, For people's di- different kinds of palates, you're hitting a lot of very interesting di- variances within the flavor profiles.
2: Exactly, exactly. But all that time retaining that tomatin structure, which is so important to our whiskey. Right on. So the fourteen
1: guys. Yeah. What happens when you stick your nose in that glass? What are you reminded of?
2: Apple cider. Apple
1: cider. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah.
2: So even if you hold this whiskey up to the light, you'll see that there's a nice little sort of rosy hue coming through it. So that might point you to the direction as to where these casks have come from. Sherry sure, cask, yeah? No. No. Tawny port casks. Oh. oh tawny port. Oh a little left field. I <laughs> cool. that? So, <laughs> so for, for folks who don't know, what does that bring? What does that bring? So in terms of tawny port, tawny port's a fantastic drink in itself. Tawny port, much like Oloroso sherry, is allowed to oxidize inside the cask. So as the port matures, you get this beautiful, um, this beautiful evolution between the port and the oak. So then, when we get these port casks over from Oporto, we're able to put our whisky in, and it's able to create take these lovely combinations of of port and oak. And the port's not too forward, the oak's not too forward. It's right. subtle. It's not it's really too intense. So to understand, like that,
1: most of the time when you're drinking out of a wine cask, that's just wine. But port is a fortified wine, meaning that they put distillate in the barrel with the wine to bring that alcohol level up. But it's very specific, you know, like sherries and ports are,
2: are very different than your typical like table wine or whatever. Oh, tot- totally different drinks. I mean, the grapes themselves have got so much character that go towards making tawny ports. So the, 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 the with bourbon casks, it doesn't really matter what bourbon's been in there beforehand because the bourbon's extracting from the oak. But when it comes to the, um, the the wine and the port, it's very important that the port and the wine have the right sort of body and structure because they're gonna leave their imprint on the cask. So if we're gonna put that into our whiskey, we need to make sure it's very good. We work with a winery called the Simington Winery in Oporto, so we select all of our port casks from the Simington Winery. Wow, that's super cool. What are you guys getting? I
1: get raisins. Yeah. Raisins and almonds. What are you guys getting?
2: Strawberry too. Strawberry. <laughs> red yeah, fruits. <laughs>
0: Maybe it's the same thing, but I get that matterized wine, property like a Madeira. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Very, very similar. Very similar drinks. Because there's a bit of sweetness, there's a bit of baldy. Yeah, and then now tap it over your tongue
1: and see how that experience changes. Sometimes your nose will lead you in one direction, but when you actually, yeah. you, especially in the single malt scotches, you can like go down one road and then immediately switch to something completely different. It
0: smells like that bakery that they put the compote in, too. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: buy you dinner. Oh <laughs> are you using
0: proprietor's yeast or the wild yeast from Scotland, or?
2: So yeah, it all comes from proprietor's. So we we actually just recently changed our yeast strain. So we, have, we are using a Maori distiller's yeast, and now we've used something, something called MG Plus, which is, Hopefully in the future gonna give our spirit a little bit more of that sort of fruity character. Okay. It just sort of, because the, the, the gravity points a little bit higher, so we can f- uh, ferment to a little bit of a higher temperature. So we've changed a little bit of the production over the last two years, just to, but all it's gonna do is enhance the fruitiness as opposed to take anything away from the whiskey. Have you been able
0: to sample things and see that that's a clear difference between them? Yes. It could be a problem for the blenders at some point?
2: Or? So in terms of the, the blenders, we're not so worried about anymore because it's now about focusing on our, it's about focusing on ourselves. So yeah, it's about now moving towards focusing on our own, on our own single malt. So that's what we're looking for in the future.
1: Well, I really like this 14. It's- Pretty awesome. And that bottle price is...
0: $69.99 to probably 74 75 A little
2: more fancy. A little more fancy. A little bit more fancy. <laughs> but not. It's
0: a little bit higher proofing. Yeah, so, yeah.
2: The, yeah. so yeah. Every, everything that we're... Yeah. So the first two whiskeys that we tasted are 43%. And then everything else we're going to taste is 46%. When, you, when it comes to tasting this as well, you'll notice there's a lot more, um, for me, there feels like there's more body in this whiskey. This yeah, so that, more, you, yeah. if you look at it, you can see there's a little bit of these fats and esters left over as well. It's a lot more, lot more dense. So this one is, what are we passing around right now? This is a limited edition whiskey. It's a 15-year-old Moscatel. Moscatel, so
1: Moscatel grapes, for folks who don't know, what is it, what's the flavor character of a, a Moscatel grape?
2: So, in in terms of Moscatel grapes, what we're going to get is a lot of freshness in here, some beautiful freshness. Say, it almost tastes is is green, grassy, and sweet. It's more like a traditional dessert wine than anything else. So, this Moscatel grapes are um, again, this is a a fortified wine also, Um, but it's not. I think it's a late harvest white grape as opposed to being a late harvest red grape, like would be used to make a Tawny Port. Um this has spent nine years in bourbon casks and six years in, in the Moscatel. Again, the Moscatel casks come from Quinta de Bacaloa, which is a wine producer in Portugal. So this is a really beautiful sweet whiskey. Um that's so cool.
1: There's this
2: is really different. Like
1: you go right on the front of the nose, it's like these deep purple fruit for me. Like yeah. it's beautiful,
2: beautiful, big, strong and it, it works really well in desserts as well so we recently had um we did a whiskey painting dinner at a local restaurant in inverness uh, and our our friends at cafe one in inverness norman he made a beautiful his chef made a beautiful kranikin which is a traditional scottish creamy pudding and they put some moscatel into it Ooh. and we had some and moscatel, 15 year old alongside it and it was beautiful damn um so what are you guys getting off of this Smokiness. smokiness? Is there any peat on this? There's, there's no peat, but it's not to say that you wouldn't get a little bit of smokiness coming through from the cask, but it's... Was... <laughs> well, no, also though, like it yeast, make it wrong. yeast
1: can create phenolics as well. Yeah. So it's you don't always just get phenolics from smoking the grain or from charring the wood. It is possible for yeasts in their expansive ability to create different flavors,
2: there are certain esters that are uh, smoky. Out of interest, have any of you ever had uh, whiskey that's been finished in Moscatel casks before? No, no. No, so, yes sir. Just
0: backtracking a bit, was there any peat in the 14?
2: No peat in the 14, so everything that's tomatin is completely unpeated. We, we do have a last-minute addition, which is... They're
1: far from
2: Islay. These guys are, like, the other end
1: of the country. <laughs> we have, They're doing something very... It's it's Highland, but you guys are more a little bit in the space side By having these different wine cask finishes, that's like a space side kind of vibe. They've been doing they, that for yeah, a while, you know?
2: So it's it's different. And, then, I mean, this is a very much a limited-edition whiskey. I think this is one of 4,000 bottles. So it's a not quite as... It's not quite... this. Once this is gone, this will be gone. Um, so it's... But what's nice of the thing about Tomatina is that we're always releasing something new and innovative that's coming out, which creates a good good portfolio.
1: Yeah, it's not char... It's not cloyingly tannic at all, but it does have a drying effect on your palate. It's beautiful. It's really, so, really nice. It's
2: something completely different, and you know... Yeah, I, 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 People have often come up to me and asked, Scott, do you have a sweet whiskey? And I've always probably tried to bullshit them a little bit and go, Oh, yeah, we do, but uh, we don't really, but this is now a sweet whiskey, and I've never, wow, I've never that's really damn noticed good. sweetness. I'm going to
1: get a bottle of that right there. That's- Steps coming
2: around with the
1: 18, um, and so let's let's back up a little bit. You, We had port casks. Tawny Porn, and then we went to the Moscatel. Sure. What is going on over here?
2: So this is this is our biggest foray into sherry finishes. So this has been finished for between three and four years. You guys and are all saying that at the same time, you can smell the sherry right away? <laughs> <laughs> so so a, go on, I'm A sorry. much more intense sherry finish than anything else that we have. So the, the 12-year-old has matured in all the rosso sherry casks, but it's not, nowhere near as intense as the 18-year-old. So for some people, like the the sherry
0: the
1: sherry bomb thing is legit. I mean, uh, you know, it was like four years ago. Evan, when was it that the sherry uh, the Yamazaki sherry cast won best yeah, whiskey in the world? Like
0: Twenty fifteen. 15
2: 2013.
0: So like five years ago or something? Twenty fifteen.
1: Twenty fifteen. So that's when like kind of that's like the golden age of sherry bombs. Like all these whiskeys are coming out that are like super heavily <laughs> sherried. Um, so there's, but there's a lot,
2: there's a lot of variants. Well, how do you feel about the heavily sherry scotches? So in terms of, in terms of the structure of scotches, some scotches will, the spirit will hold up a lot more for a longer maturation in sherry. Um, with tomatin, what we're very careful of is to retain the integrity of the spirit. The spirit is the sort of backbone. So we always want to be able to taste this. Um, with this whiskey, you can certainly get that in the initial, as it starts to come across your, across the palate it does really it does really start to get those soft uh, fruity orchard fruits that we're used to but as it comes through the back and as you keep on wow. as you keep on swallowing this whiskey stays in your mouth for 30 40 50 seconds It's, uh, this is uh it's an evolutionary sherry bomb i would describe All right it all has. right well then let's chew on it guys so put some
1: on your tongue and really don't swallow it like let it shift around give it Give it 15 seconds, really let it soak into the skin of your mouth, and then describe your experience. What are you reminded of? Oh yeah, it's 15 seconds, we're not there yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the best 15 seconds of your life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm. This is the most riveting part of the podcast. I just broke the rule. I swallowed
2: it. I like, oh well, I guess I have to drink more. I think, I think in terms of holding whiskey and letting it develop, it's amazing the different ways that you can play about with the whiskey and to allow yourself to find it into different, different tastes and different flavors. Even wine casks, if they breathe for a little while, sherry, port, they also open up, and the, the bouquet inside it, across the palate, it totally changes.
1: This is. Magnanimous says really, really good. What do you guys think of this 18? Yeah, chocolate and licorice. I get like this
2: kind of anise in there. I think that uh, quite often when people think about sherry cask finishes, they think about sweetness. But there's no sweetness in here, but it's still very, very fruity. It's like this dry fruit. Yeah, dark cherry. Yeah. Yeah,
0: dark cherry,
1: dark chocolate cake. A little bit of that saltiness. Damn, that is. How much is that? That's an 18-year-old single malt. How much would
2: you pay?
1: <laughs> you don't want to play gotcha with me, baby. You don't want to play gotcha. I'm a bourbon drinker. I can get it for under $12 a bottle. You know
0: uh, so it'll retail for about $99. Bucks.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: We, we like to joke that we're McAllen pricing for about 20 years
1: ago. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. 18-year-old single malt scotch for under 100 bucks. That's hard to find in these days. I think this is really good. It's got great mouthfeel, it's got great structure. Yeah.
2: And it it pairs with two different things for me. I mean, it pairs with, well, maybe three. And and two of my favorite food groups, which are meat and dried meat. (laughs) <laughs> you're a Scottish trucker. <laughs> so, yeah, that's two out of three, is it not? A, <laughs> wow. And then, and, but also works really well, sort of cigars, if you're outside sitting in the uh, bathroom. Yeah, right. It'll Just stand that, that up. Just that full body that stands up against a like, nice Yeah, cigar. like
1: a, cigars can be super drying to the palate. They kind of yeah. like take everything over. So you need something that's like basey and oily and, and robust and Yeah, something that'll stand up there, to there the, is,
0: there's
2: a beautiful the dryness of in the, cigar. the cigar. So,
1: okay. So we asked these guys to bring in some special little treats for you, and that's that's what Stephanie has in her hands right now.
2: One more glass, um, and I'll come back
0: around. Uh, What is this for tasting? I don't want to butcher the
2: pronunciation. Kubakan, that's probably the easiest. Yeah, as it looks. (laughs) Or does it look like... It's phonetic. It's phonetic, yeah. (laughs) What does Kubakan mean? In Gaelic, ku means dog, and bakan means ghost. So go, ghost, ghost dog, dog. Ghost, ghost dog. dog. I mean, that, uh, go, I'm it's, all into this. It's this like, right. like it's more like mythical, mythical beast, mythical yeah. apparition. Okay. okay, you know, okay. Galax is an incredibly descriptive language. So, it's, Kubokan. Yeah. Kubokan. Yeah,
1: Kubakan. Kubakan. So C U B O C A N. But it has like but a strange they've got, like, accents. accents. Yeah. There's accents on that.
2: Inflictions, are they? Inflictions. <laughs> In 2005, we started making peated malt at Tomaten Distillery. Um, we did it for the last. We did it for the last two weeks just before Christmas. We shut down over Christmas, so it allows us to clean out everything after we make the peated malt and not do anything for a couple of weeks. <laughs> And we released it for the first time in 2013. So that probably tells you how old this no age statement is. It was eight years old. Um, we use four different types of casks to make this whiskey. We use First Fill X Bourbon, First Fill all the rosso Sherry, Virgin American Oak, and Refill. It's also been lightly peated. The peat the phenolic contents between 12 and 15 ppm which when it comes to Tomatin, because we've got such, such big, tall stills, you're never going to get that much smoky character into the whisky. So we, what this does is it creates this lovely earthy texture into the whisky, which is running through, especially in the, in the finish. But with these four different casks, your palate will go in different directions. And the thing that I find the most fun for me about this whisky is that every time I come to taste it, it's a little bit different. You know, every time, sometimes it's a little bit more citrusy, sometimes it's a little bit more bourbony. sometimes it's a little bit more sherry, sometimes it's nutty. And that's, we talk about balance sometimes in whiskey, which is incred- can be incredibly important. But this style of whiskey is completely, completely different. And for me, I, I think I find it fascinating and really, really cool. I
0: gotta say, my man. <laughs> that's all I gotta say.
2: It's, that it's a, is a high compliment, my friend. Thank you very much. That means a lot. I mean, I, it's a whiskey that we're incredibly proud of. It is rare because we only make it for two weeks a year. Right. But uh, a super phenomenal small. little dram, really super small. It so, works like, really well. how many how many bottles for the whole world? I mean, every, every year. Let me sort of work this out. So, we at the time we'd have been doing, 16 much a week. So, so we would make about. There's probably about. 50,000 bottles a year that we make that we've been making of this. How much gets out of Scotland? So but, sorry when we first started making this it was only a, it was only one week. It was only five days, so it would have been even smaller back then. But we've started to we've ramped up from five days to two weeks. So not as much gets out of Scotland as you might think, but we <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I've been there. North America is our biggest market that we export to, so it's a delight to come over here. We what do you guys think of this?
1: 600 bottles in California. Yeah. 600 bottles, wow. And what What's uh, gonna cost me? Uh,
0: 40, $29. What?
1: damn. where quality with value. Yeah, like I said, go, go to your mom pop liquor store and ask them to order this right now. Okay. What are you guys getting as you tap this over the tongue? It's very different from anything else that we've tasted so far. I love grilled tomato. Yeah, a grilled
2: tomato? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, he means a grilled tomatin, so, At least someone can speak properly in here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: again has this nuttiness to me. Like, there's like kind of the DNA of this is like uh, throughout all the expressions is this sweet nuttiness. It's really, really nice. And what do you attribute that to? Is just the fermentation? Like, you guys have like a, a nutty beer, or like, how do you make that like? It's like these toffee notes. They're just exquisite. So, I,
2: I mean, I think a lot of the. I mean, for me, well, the creation of sugars happens inside the mash tun, so inside there, that's where you're going to be able to gauge how sweet your how sweet your whiskey is going to be. Oh, good catch, good hands. Um, so every, I think. Sometimes people overlook casks and they say that the casks are so incredibly important. But actually, the, a lot of the magic happens inside the dis- distillation. Absolutely. That's what I'm getting at. It's, yeah. The DNA to me is like the, you can I'm, taste tomato in the distillate.
1: It's like it's, with no age, I would still identify it, I think.
2: You, to, you, to, you totally would. And some of it's just, it's such a gorgeous spirit in itself. Um, but a lot of it's down to the people that make it as well. Yeah. You know, the, the people that make Tomaten have got so much pride in what they do. We used to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, but now we stop working over the weekends. But the boys that still live on site will go up and check the mash, that's ha- the, the fermentation that's happening over the weekend. And you're saying that like okay. 1,500 people live in this town? So yeah, but on site we still have 30 houses where everybody that works at the distillery gets the opportunity to live it. Old so, like cobblestone
1: style houses that are actually connected to each other.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly and but that creates a community yeah and that creates a community that people are proud of yeah um i i there's there's a connection to the distillery there's generations there's fathers there's sons there's mothers there's daughters there's everybody it's a beautiful beautiful thing it's, yeah. that's what being human is
1: I'll, all about i'll
2: tell you that's the amazing. bad stories after the podcast ends
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what being human's all about as well
2: <laughs> right how big is the town now so the, the, there is a village that's sort of sprouted up around the distillery, which is about a 1,500 1, people. Wow! Right beside the distillery, um, it's it's in between sort of Aviemore and Inverness, which are two And populations. Give us a picture. What's what's it like when you're when you're there and you're staying at the distillery? What, what's it look like? You guys are like you've got sea on both sides of you there. So yeah, so we've got sea on both sides, but we're up in the mountains. So this the mountains in Scotland come straight up from the sea, which is which makes it so spectacular when you arrive. The highest just, of the Highlands. Yeah, the high, so, yeah, we're. I think we're, if you work out, I think we're the third or fourth highest distillery in Scotland. Right, I so think th- is further... Da- down. Dalwini and Tom and Towell I know, are both higher than us. And I think one of these new small distilleries are as well. But, and bare-metric
1: pressure has a intense effect on the flavor profile of the Flavor we'll
2: profile. But, I mean, even temperatures, it's so interesting. So, I mean, even there's different things that you can do, to, whether you want consistency or whether you want to create more... Uh, so, you get a bigger yield from your malt. And so, we've changed a lot of our process to get more consistency and stop playing about with temperatures so much, so, in order to get more consistency. So, there's, there's a great many things that you can do which will affect the flavor, but we're trying to do as little as possible to affect the flavor now at Tomatin.
1: What do you guys think of this, Kubakan? Yes. That's the whiskey talking. No, I'm <laughs> no we're there. This is amazing. Okay, so but, like, this, is a, in, this is a conversation that people are having is that Northeastern Scotland wants to kind of like have their own designation of like, this is the Northeastern style. You guys are up in the Northeast, but this doesn't taste like what I think those guys are trying to do.
2: No, so I mean, the Northeast distilleries, so sort they're of, like, we you're talking about Glenard, Kleinleish, Dalmore, Tanninic, they have a very different style to Tomatin. Um, we are, I mean, we, we'd never like to compare ourselves to any distilleries, but, I mean, probably closer in style to the likes of Glen Fiddich, Glenlivet, Dalwhinnie, the Ben, ben Reyes of the world. You know, we're, we, we, we want to be experimental. We want to be able to create Definitely, good, soft, clear. fruity spirit. But at the same time, there is that little bit of rugged Highland charm at the backbone. That's right. Uh-oh, what's going on around here? So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, I don't know about you guys. So, so
2: yeah, wow, wow, wow. Okay, yeah, we are not worthy. We are not worthy. This is insane. So, you were only going to get this if you all behaved. So, you
0: know, I guess we
1: behaved all right. But tonight, we're, we're doing it, guys. This is amazing. This is amazing. We're going all in. What is
0: this beautiful? Gorgeous box that you just
2: brought out. Yeah, what, yeah, what is, is this? What is so, box. what we have here is Tomatin, 36 year old. Now, oh! oh! <laughs> oh! yeah, this is Lord of the Rings right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> she's so good. Yeah, she's so good. <laughs> so, in, in, terms of, in terms of whiskey tasting, what yeah, well, this is this is complete, um, we, you've got to sort of reprogram your brains back to thinking about um, a different style of whiskey. This is moves away from the peated malt, um, but I think we're probably going to enjoy this. So if you don't have any water, please rinse out your glasses yeah. before you drink this. Wow, wow. Evan, you had a question. You had a question. you
0: just answered it. I... I I know you guys are (laughs) rebranding, and with the new 18, the new bottle, one of the best whiskeys I've ever had not discussed about
2: whiskeys was the 30-year-old, and I was just going to ask, are you bringing out any older age statements with this new rebranding, and and there it is. So the the, the 36-year-old we have here tonight, um, the 30-year-old is, the new 30-year-old is on the water just now. So about two weeks. Two weeks away. So it's it's coming, coming, it has been released, it's available throughout the world. 36 year old as well. The, the, the cool thing about Tomatin is, the 36 year old's part of our core range. So it's, uh, that's ridiculous.
0: 1988 in market.
2: We have a 1988 vintage in market. So okay,
1: like so again, this goes back to that idea that like, because in this area, if they're only getting one to 2% evaporation every year, then you can have these expressions. I dare you to go find me a 36 year old bourbon. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't the whiskey's all gonna be gone from evaporation. But this is age in the barrel. This is like rare and like most whiskies will never even get to be this old because they'll be turned into what they drink
0: up there in heaven.
2: So we make um 36-year-olds in batches. Each batch has three casks. These three casks um, one of Two of them are ex-bourbon casks, but they're not ex-bourbon casks first fill. They're probably not ex-bourbon casks second fill. These are refill casks, because what we want to do is to not have the oak overtake the flavor Which of the Which is fruit. very
1: traditional. Actually, in Scotland and Ireland as well, that's very traditional. Like a really, a used bourbon cask, meaning
2: it's been used several times. Several like- times. And, and what that does is it allows us to mature for this length of time. Now, people talk about whiskey ingredients, water, barley, yeast. When we talk about ingredients as well, you've also got to talk about oak and oxygen and the people. And That's so right. it's the most important thing for this whiskey, for older whiskey, for tomatin, is oxygen. So it's getting this air into the cask because oak breathes. It's true, and barrels are organic. Containers that breathe they, a lot. They, breathe, they a lot. breathe a lot, yeah. So uh, it's, oak is a very strange strange material in the fact that it allows air to come in, but the, the liquid will not escape. So what's it like to be,
1: what, what's the name of the town where the distiller is? Tomaten. So, but what's it like there? Like, if if you were hanging out on a Saturday night, there's like a little. Um, there's, there's, a,
2: there's, a, there's a little, there's a little pub, pub. There's a community little community pub. pub. You a go in shop. there. Cheers. What,
1: what's going on at that pub? Thank you, love. Um, um, what, what, I'm like a Saturday night. I'm in Scotland.
2: I'm in this tiny village. I wander into the pub. bar. What? Tell me what it's like. So for a long time, the pub actually shut down. So they've just started the the pub back up as a community hub, so that people can go back in on a Friday and Saturday night and enjoy themselves. Um, in, terms, in terms of Tomatin, it's, it's, it's almost like a little sleepy commuterville now. Yeah. Because, but when the distillery was built in, in the 1890s and as it grew throughout the first 50 years, it was incredibly remote. 15 miles in Scotland used to be a long way. And in fact, the road used to snake and roll and it wasn't the, the nice highway that's, on, that's there now. So as that happened, it created its own little community. And that's, and that's how that sprung up. And like I said, we have people that have been working there through generations. We've got cousins. We've got whole families, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters. It's, are they nice? They're lovely people. They're lovely people. They probably wouldn't say the same about me. But.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, the
1: the way that they drink there, like, what is it like when you're in that bar? Like, how are the old timers if they're drinking that tomatin so, I mean, at the bar? Like, how do they drink it? Because I know that
2: here we are pretty hardcore, Americans drink hard and fast. I mean, they drink hard, fast, and they probably drink b- bigger measures. They don't, and in Scotland, it's just a, it's a 25 mil measure, which I think is a So
1: that's a half, fives. less than half fives. of what your shot is.
0: So an airplane, the little tiny bottles, is twice yeah. that, what you just
1: said. 25 milliliters yeah. is a tasting portion yeah. here in the Bar Jackalope, yeah. tasting portion. And that's a full pour in Scotland. And, and oh. often I see people with, they have these like glass, Pictures of water at the bar in Scotland. So, so
2: I mean, one of the one of the. So you've got a boiler maker over here, so a boiler maker in Scotland is called a half and a half. So it's called a ha- like that's a half and a half. So it's like a half a half, short beer. A short. It's a sh- half pint and a, and a half ounce pour. So and that's what that's what a lot of these old timers would use would drink is they'd have a half pint of bitter uh, of seventy shilling eighty shilling which is Scottish brown beer. Uh, you guys probably wouldn't like it because it's warm, but um, then, then they have that with a wee with a with a wee dram on the side of it. Um, in terms of how we drink whiskey at home, there's um, it's, it's about sort of creating that sort of the relationship with your friends and your peers, and you can sit out there and it, sometimes it's not about the quality of the whiskey you have, but it's about the location and the people that you're with. Of course, and it's about creating that atmosphere, and whether that be outside at a wedding, like, you know, we're drinking out of a hip flask. And Hell I yeah! Some of the best whiskey I've
1: ever had in my life came out of a hip flask. Golf
2: courses, everything like that, and that's—I think for me—that's what I find so wonderful about whiskey is the fact that it creates these relationships. Sometimes you never know where you're going to end up, but it creates a lot of fun memories. Yeah.
1: Well said, my friend.
2: You guys, let's give it up to Mr. Scott Fraser. <laughs> Good guys, Fraser, Fraser. This is it amazing, right? Amazing. It's beautiful I, stuff, man. And really beautiful stuff. Thank if I, you. If I'm going to be honest, some of these flavors that come in through here are like no, sort of If it. I'm going to be honest, it's not it's not these tropical fruits. It's more like Hubba bubba and tutti frutti. And those sort of like so <laughs> bubblegum bubble is a floral actually. When you think about bubblegum, it's a these floral nostalgic, scent. These nostalgic ch- childhood flavors that come yeah. through the glass, and it's it's so fresh and it's so it, 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 I, young is the wrong word, but it gives me those memories of childhood which I think wow. is really cool. Yeah, it's you can you keep
1: discovering it. You could like sip it again and again and again and keep finding new things like
2: in the flavor profile. There's still more. Yeah, I'm with you love, I'm with you. It is, and it's, it's the type of whiskey that you can just sort of hold and smell, it's thinking whiskey. You have to really take your time over it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What are you getting, Evan? Every part of this, I feel like with spirits,
0: you're more getting it on your palate, but the nose, the palate, and then the aftertaste are all just absolutely
2: fantastic so how do we create that flavor yeah. in Scotland so there's three, three casks two refill bourbon casks so they've probably been used two or three times before allow the cask to oxidize one so there's one sherry butt as well so it's been finished in a sherry butt for five years five to six years and that but, but the sherry because there's so much structure already in the whiskey the whiskey really holds up against the sherry and for me, I wouldn't really know that this has been in a sherry cask, the same as for even a longer time than the 18-year-old. So it shows you how time can evolve a whiskey as well as uh, the cask. So each each batch is made using three casks. Okay. Two bourbon casks, which are hogsheads, and one um, sh- one sherry cask as well, which is uh, which is about 500 litres. So basically, each batch is about 1,000 bottles. It's kind bottles. of a marrying time, but like
1: it's only a third at that point.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, for me, I don't... I get no sherry influence on this at all, and I always, I always find it very difficult to talk about sherry when you talk about this. There's a little bit in the color; you can tell it's a little bit darker, but it's just because the, the whiskey's got so much. When it evolves in the cask, it totally changes. Tomatin between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five morphs into a different specimen. This really
0: smells it's like you're totally a tropical forest. Yeah. yeah. Grass.
2: The
1: mouth feels it very like different too. It's like being on my
0: grandfather's.
1: Like everything was nutty until now and now all that nuttiness is like chocolate and fruit. It's crazy, it's crazy. So you're just using a commercial grade yeast that you buy and use the same yeast all the time. It's not like there's a bunch of like tropical fruit trees growing around the distillery. Yeah,
2: yeah no, but we do, funnily enough, we do have palm trees growing on the west coast of Scotland, which people find hard to believe, but you know, no, nobody ever believes me when I say no, no, some that. Some Californians <laughs> moved out there in the 70s and they brought them with them. So, no, I, I, I this, this style, of, this style of whiskey is what has totally transformed my opinion of older whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the sort of conversation that it provokes is fantastic. And yeah, what are you guys getting with the
1: 36? So this is way older than most of the whiskey you'll ever drink in your life. 35? 36. 36. 36, what are you getting? Guava. Guava. You have a question
0: uh, over here, sir? Yeah, so sorry, I don't,
1: I'm not even really sure if I know what question I'm trying to ask you, but.
0: That's the whiskey talking. <laughs> it says in age this high were there like any barrels you guys eventually kind of lost trying to hang on to them to make them this old that like they just went
2: too far uh, you always have you have once whiskey gets past a certain age for about 25 years you have to be monitoring the cask very very carefully to make sure that it doesn't drop below 40 percent alcohol uh, you also have to be monitoring that it doesn't become too oaky. Because that's not the style that we want. Some distilleries want to have an oaky whiskey. So Wait a second. So if it gets underneath 80
1: proof, what happens? Then it, it's no it longer- funky, huh? It's
2: no longer single malt Scotch whiskey. But so so is it, it, Will by, it turn
1: bad? Or will it like start n- to get- No, no, no so, oh, it would be, be a gorgeous
2: like, drink, but legally you can't call it single malt Scotch whiskey if it's less right, than 40%. Right. Okay, so
1: just legal legalese.
0: There have been hmm. under 40% whiskeys that of getting used to drop the proof of legal whiskey down to 80.
1: That's totally what I was kind of getting out. Well, I think what what most master blenders are doing are actually taking over-oaked barrels and blending them down to a point that's palatable. That's what the master blender's job is. It's like, there's a lot of over-oaked barrels out there in the world. But the master blender, the selector, every day is kind of like, Got this schematic in their mind, and they're like able to pull from different places consistently, day after day, to create consistency and a flavor profile that's acceptable. Because definitely, there's overoaked whiskey stuff that's so tannic that you will not want to sip on it at all. It has to be blended down. That's blending whiskey for sure. But it's strong. It's it's got essence. It's you know it's it's
2: why people blend. It's
0: incredible. I mean, 36 years, but it has so much complex flavor. That,
2: that's mastery. It's it's what makes it so, I mean, it's what blows my mind about whiskey, is when, uh, whiskey, when, whiskey when it's younger, I can understand why this happens. Once it starts to become older, it's the air, it's every, and it's like, why? Why is something that's so, it's probably the easiest whiskey for us to make, because so, all we have to do is leave it there.
0: <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> no. the hardest whiskey to make.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, if you're it's, like me, I can't wait, man. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys, again, let's give it up for Scott. This is amazing. Scott Fraser, Kamalton Single Malt. A lot of people have never tasted it. A lot of people have never heard of it.
2: Check it out. Buy a bottle because this small little town needs a little love. Right? It needs a little love. Needs a little love. And I mean, but I mean, thank you guys so much for coming here. You've got no idea how much it means for us when we come to the other side of the world. This is a 12 hour flight for me to get here. You know, it's amazing that people come here and listen to us. It means a lot. I mean, for us to be able to promote something that's from our home country, that's managed to evolve out across the world. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed it and keep on drinking, not just whiskey, but (laughs) tomato. Cheers guys. Thank, Thank you, cool you for having that, us. Yeah, man, that's awesome.
1: Awesome. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show was produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan, executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpiritGuideSOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.
0: This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed. Additional editing and production assistance by Andrew Apple. Beautiful single malt scotch and spirited narration courtesy of Tomaten brand rep Scott Fraser. A little bit of colorful commentary and spirit guidance from our friend Pedro Shanahan. And some top-notch audio curation by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2019.